McKenna Nowato is a African black PH professional hunter in South Africa. There's not many of McKenna. I know of probably only a handful that are true blue black professional hunters in South Africa. And so I wanted to have a conversation with McKenna talking about why he decided to become a professional hunter, how to get involved in wildlife conservation, what was his upbringing as it relates to wildlife, and what are the next steps from engaging more black South Africans into the professional hunting realm. As you'll hear, McKenna is a very soft-spoken individual, very thoughtful individual, and I really enjoy my time when I get to spend it with McKenna because he's just got this beaming smile on his face constantly. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. They're going to go river rafting down here. Yeah, white river rafting. Dun, dun, dun. What do you mean white river rafting? This isn't like what kind no of waste, no, no. tiny little rapids. <laughs> Not big rapids Garage. that they're going to turn the boats over. Or maybe there's bigger rapids downstream maybe. I don't know. This isn't home for you? No. Where's home for you? It's uh, Pretoria. Actually, I'm from northwest Brits. <laughs> northwest Pretoria? Northwest in Brits. Oh, Brits. Uh -huh. Brits is home. The town Brits. Yes. It's still called Brits today? Uh -huh. Okay. Cool. And uh, I'm in Pretoria. My house is in Pretoria. Born and raised in Pretoria or born and raised in Brits? In Brits. And then when I started working, I went to Pretoria. Because huh. uh -huh. I needed to get closer to work. <laughs> so give me a background of, before we get going... Uh, McKenna, welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast. Thank you. I don't want to presume how to say your last name. McKenna who? Nwato. Nwato. There you go, yeah. Um, and introduce yourself. What do you do? Who are you? All right. Uh, my name is McKenna. Um, my name is Nwato. I'm a professional hunter. Started hunting... But Either McKenna, right. you're you're black. You're not supposed to be a professional hunter. <laughs> yeah, well, people say that. I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's passion, and you'd be surprised. I was introduced to rifle hunting by an Indian guy. Really? Yeah. He was my boss, and uh, how it happened is, you know, we would have um, seminars and conferences. So as part of Icebreakers, he used to show us his hunting pictures. His outdoor pictures is like an outdoor outdoor guy. Mm. So then I started liking them and I said to him, I need to do what you're doing. I said, okay, I'll help you. What do you so mean you wanted to, like, what were you doing? Okay, my story is very weird. I'm a qualified actor. So 
You're a qualified actor. Yes. What do you mean? <laughs> from my university. Actually, from high school, I went to university. I studied drama and film studies. And I graduated. Did a little bit of TV work. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, with TV, you're always freelancing. Right. So what I did is I went into tourism as a performer. It was a cultural village, so there's dance performance and all that. But I ended up guiding people. But what did you want to do as a job? Act. Act. Be on TV. Be on TV. That's That was my ultimate goal. Okay. But then um, I got picked by South African breweries. While I was still working at the cultural village doing freelance acting. And that's when actually I made my big breakthrough in acting. I just got a role in a soapy called Muvango. And I was there. And then SAB came. They liked me. I did a presentation on Sogambia. But as part of the tour at the cultural village. Okay. So they liked me. So what did South African breweries do for you? Okay. (laughs) They said to me they like my personality. Uh-huh. So for that, they think I'm the right person to handle their customer complaints. <laughs> but now I Gosh, let could you imagine? What a job. <laughs> yeah. and then you are perfect <laughs> for dealing with everyone that complains about us. Yeah, that's what they said, actually. They said, no, we like the attitude. So don't worry about the science. Because now I'm coming from... BA, I've got a Bachelor of Arts. Mm. Now they're putting me to work with people with BSc in engineering and also sure, in, sure. <laughs> in, in science and what that. So they put me on a one-year, six-month training course where now they had to teach me about the procedures and processes that are involved in making beer, the off-flavors, how do they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then because they had their own training institution Throughout, all they did was, you know, wherever they saw I elect, they sent me to the institution every now and then. So, yeah, that's how I ended up doing it. And I ended up handling legal complaints, media threats, doing trade recalls. Okay, okay. So you weren't dealing with old Yanni down the road who hated the taste of line lager. Those are the guys. I mean, for remember, a trade recall is triggered by a complaint. Okay. It starts as a complaint, so you get the product back to the plant. You trace where the system could have gone wrong. And sometimes you find that it's a batch problem. Mm. So then uh, you initiate a trade recall. But starting from a single client complaining, okay. and okay, then okay. Uh, you recall the whole product okay. back because there was a um, default or a system failure somewhere. Okay. So yeah. when you were growing up, you, when you were growing up in Brits, did you grow up in the city? Did you grow up in the country? It was in a village, very, very rural. It still is today. I mean, we grew up without electricity up until the late 90s. Okay. Obviously, yeah. no water, no sewage. No water. To the present day, there's no water. They're still getting water delivered by water tanks. It's difficult to even get water from underground. I mean, oh, okay. I also tried to get a borehole for my mm-hmm. mom, but it didn't work. Oh, really? Because uh, the water is way, way beyond 100 meters. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. But now, we grew up hunting because we, we eat a remote village. Mm. So, I was even teasing my younger brother yesterday because he used to trap birds 
like you know we would have chickens and goats and everything yeah 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 and then where there's a feeding area where we feed them you know birds would always come and salvage okay so that's where he trapped them yesterday i was teasing him there's a picture how old is your brother uh, now he's 40 he was born in 81 and he's still in the village and now he's now in Haranku. Okay, so okay, okay. So who was trapping birds yesterday? He, no, yesterday I was teasing him with a picture I found on. <gasps> oh, from when you guys were younger. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So yeah, but so you hunted when you were a kid. Yeah, not to just that extent. Birds. Yes, just small things. Birds. I mean, we would go out and try to trap rabbits and guinea fowls. I wasn't that lucky, honestly, as a kid. I wasn't a good hunter. So tell me, when you were doing this as a kid, why were you doing it? Mainly it was for food. Mainly for food. It was for actually purely for food because depending on how many birds you kill, you would take home. My mom to the present day, I go out for bird hunting. She loves birds. Go home. If you trap, like when we trap them, we caught more than 30 in a day. Mm. So you take that 30, pluck the feathers off, skin them, clean them. Then would give them to the mom. Mm. Then mom would prepare them, and then obviously it's pop and birds. Mm, pop, meat, <laughs> and gravy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So like when my is today. P- let me ask this question. We've now. How old are you now, McKenna? I'm 45 this year. Okay, same as me. Okay. Cool. Um, is is are there kids today mm-hmm. in that village that you grew up with? Still doing the same thing? Yeah. They're Still s- trapping for food? They are. They are. But now what is also happening is we've got people coming from other places who have rifles. So sometimes these boys would call them in and uh, they would come and shoot. I know there's, there's, there's two or three of them that are doing it. Mostly now they're even starting to sell the meat to the locals. So, but they they come in, they hunt, and uh, so they hunting. Let me ask this: that land that they're hunting on is is the community's land? Is the village's land? Is, is the chief's land? Yeah, what is chi- it? It's a, it's it's a communal land. It's a chief's land where it was purchased. You know, you we've got different types. This one is a type that a group of people. I think they were twenty eight many years ago. They put money together. They mm. bought it from the government. And then now we have a headman, mm. but the headman accounts to the chief. Okay. So every five years we elect a new headman. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a way, we are kind of. It's like the mayor. Yes, we 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 in a way a little bit private from the chief, because it's more like a private farm. Gotcha. Yes. So then, so let me. So what I'm trying to get to here is, so now you've got. People with guns, they're obviously a little bit more powerful to mm. kill something bigger, mm. like a Deka or a kudu. kudu or something like yeah. that. Does the chief say to them, you can do it? I do it. So what happens is... What do you mean you do it? <laughs> uh, I Are you in charge of that? Yes, I'm, 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 I sit with the tribal authority. I Kay. think I'm the first guy, if not the only guy from my village, the specific village, where we grew up from, that owns a hunting rifle. Okay. So, 
when I applied for my very first rifle, I went, I sat with the community and I requested them to write me, you know, when you do the application, they want yeah, to know yeah. where you're going to What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Yeah. yeah. So I went there, I asked them to write me a letter. They did write me a letter that I will be hunting in the village. So, and then I sat with the tribal authority. They gave me powers to apply for permits on their behalf. Animal permits. And, yeah, hunting permits from... Uh, the department. But why do why do they have to apply for hunting permits if the land is theirs? But the animals are not theirs. No, the <laughs> system in South Africa says that it is theirs. So, for instance, let me say this. Let me let me couch it a different way. Uh, who's, who do we know here? Howard Knott. Okay. Howard Knott mm-hmm. owns a property. Yes. It's his property. Yes. The wildlife on that property is his. Is his. Yes. So he can decide, I'm killing 500 kudu this year or I'm killing 5 kudu this year. Yes. The same thing should be if that land is t- is yes. yours. But is it yours then or is it state-owned? It's ours, but it doesn't have fences. So now there's one, two, three, four villages surrounding okay, us. Okay. So these animals, they can be anywhere. Oh, that's at why any you time. need to do the permit process. Yes. Okay. Because now we don't want, as well, we don't want someone from a different village hunting on our land without mm-hmm. permit. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, they don't cost a lot. I think a kudu, you'd, the government, to get a permit for a kudu, they ask for. 150 to 170 rand. Okay. So that actually helps us with controlling um, to see who's poaching and who's not. Because the person... So does the... Com- go ahead, keep going. Okay. You know, the person that comes there without a permit that, uh, you know, they obtain from our chief, then he's illegally hunting on our land. How does the community feel about poaching? <sighs> different. We have different views. It depends. Um, the older people, they are very concerned and they they protective. And I also didn't understand why they were protective in the beginning until I got into the industry, then I understand. The young people, they just want meat. If somebody's there to hunt mm. illegally, mm. They will take the meat from him, but mostly not because out of jealousy or out of protecting the animals. They know that the person is there illegally, but because he has the meat from the community, they will take the meat. I don't know if you understand. Yeah, and but they want the meat. They want that meat. And you understand it because they're looking to... They're, they're just looking for food. They're looking for food. I'm t- I was Actually, I want to tell you this story. It's a little bit sweet and short. Now, I have four other brothers, so we're five boys in my family. So my second eldest brother, he was an avid hunter. He hunted, he trapped, he did everything. So he went into the army. But before he could go join the army, that week he dedicated it to hunting. Just so that he leaves enough meat for us. Yeah. Then he knew he was going to stay there for six months or so without coming back. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So then he just hunted and then obviously back then we didn't even have a refrigerator so we had to hang the meat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but that's that's how we do it. 
So, McKenna, in your mind, do you think there's a difference? Because, again, what I'm trying to get here, I'm trying to just figure out the dynamics, right? All right. So, this community, they're protective of the animals. So, they don't, they, they don't like poaching because they're protective of the animals from a food perspective. Yes. But what if they knew that that, and they're okay with somebody hunting for food? Yes. Even if they may not have a permit? Yeah, it, no, 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 actually they not, but they will not. How How is the community's response for someone who's coming in illegally without a permit? They're actually not doing it for the food. They want to sell the meat and they want to make money from it. Look, okay, from experience, there hasn't been anyone that was confronted confronted by the community, except for a group that was confronted by me personally but the community they will complain but i think maybe it's also out of fear because those people have guns and they don't have guns maybe mm. it's out of fear but mm. they have never confronted a person and honestly i don't know the motivation what what is mckenna's opinion all right i yeah. want to know mckenna's opinion on because you were there yes. the idea of Hunting slash poaching without a permit for food for the family because they're hungry. Yes. Versus poaching without a permit where we're not feeding my family. I'm taking uh, it outside and I'm selling the meat so I can make money. That is a problem. That okay, but I, I think I think I didn't. Now that you rephrased it, my opinion and the community's opinion. I've seen it with uh, herbs. Herbs. Herbs, yeah. When people like traditional healers would come gotcha, and gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, they'd come and dig out some medicinal plants and all that. Mm. They will definitely confront that person and tell them to stop. Because Even they don't have a permit. They don't have a permit and, and uh, it's not their land. It's not their land. Even mm. with firewood. Mm. If you don't belong in our village and you come and collect firewood on our land, they will definitely confront you. What they haven't done is with animals because, and I also think it's out of fear of the fact that the people have guns. Mm. But when we're sitting around the table, maybe at a party or somewhere, you'd hear them mentioning these things that, you know, there's somebody stealing our animals here and there. There's guys who are shooting, but they would just relay the message. But I think, I think, yeah, no, I think now that you rephrased it. I know that the guys will be protective. Like what happened just last year, somebody came and started collecting sand from the river, you know, the river sand for building. They didn't even let him stay there for five days. Mm. He just came in with his equipment. Then people gathered and then they started talking about it, regrouping, and then in five, six days, they confronted him and they chased him off. So that's, I think, yeah, they protect the natural resources. They know the value even if they're not using it, but they're jealous of someone coming to to use them. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, that's... Yeah, no, now I got, <laughs> I got to understand clearly now. Um, McKenna, you're... Um, so you work for SAB, mm-hmm. and was it there that you met the this Indian yes, guy? Yes, I, I met him there. He was my boss. Okay. My direct boss. Now he's my biggest client. Every year he makes sure that he hunts with me once or twice. So, yeah, he took me through the process. So, but he, did, were you interested in hunting? You didn't know, did you know much about it at that point? Or was it just almost just like, ah? Uh, Actually, I didn't know about hunting. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know about rifle hunting. I didn't know about the way, the, the way that I'm doing it now, that I was clueless. Did you have an opinion about hunting? 
back then hunting was for food. Mm. Yeah, you whatever you could eat, then uh, and you needed it, you would take. And you didn't really have it. Did you know about the idea of clients and money and animals and stuff? No, I didn't. I didn't. What I do you think that that's the vast majority of say your village? If we had to go to your village today and poll them about their thoughts around hunting, you know, white Americans or whatever coming to Africa and hunting animals, do you think they'd be the same as you? They don't yeah. really know, they don't really care, or they just don't know? They just don't know. They okay. just don't know. And I've realized it as well amongst dedicated hunters, dedicated black hunters who have rifles. And when I tell them I'm a professional hunter and they ask me, do you, how do you make money from this? And I sit with them and I explain. Then they start developing the interest. Like this year. No, they have no idea that a kudu could be it could be sold. 18,000 yes. rand. Yes. No, they Not don't. Not 150 rand. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is why as well it's becoming... Um, I think we, we're getting more people that now after being exposed then they want to do professional hunting i have a why do they want it because they realize the financial benefit of the exercise mm. just like with me as well i didn't know until i i went on different farms and i started hunting on other people's properties and people started now saying hey we want to join you and then I st some people say, shoot for me. And somebody say, now you're shooting for these people for free. Mm. You should actually charge them for something. Mm. Then I started doing that. And I got actually uh, tricked by one farmer. And I was running around looking for... But you're just doing this for what now at this point? It was for fun. You know, I would... when I You've got your rifle now. You've got yes. your license. The community said yes. And now you're just hunting for fun. You're still working for SAB? No, 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 not that time. Not in my community. I was now hunting on private lands. But still working for SAB? Still working for SAB. But you had access to private lands? Yes, and I okay. had, yes. So I then went to hunt on one farm where the farmer gave me a prize before I came. After shooting the animals, the price went up. Oh. So then I... And why did the price go up? Because you shot a too big animal? No, nah, I think he just... He just yeah, because it was packaged. Okay. He sold packages, but after I shot then he broke the packages down to individual animals. Taking advantage of my lack of knowledge, mm. then I started now searching for knowledge now. And started posting on Facebook. People were like, hey, we want to join you. We want to join you. Then I realized that these people who want to join me actually can be my clients. And these clients, were these people that wanted to join you, are these white South Africans, black yeah. South Africans? Black South Africans. Really? Yeah, who also were seeing it for the first time. Right. With me doing it. Right. Now they have the money, they have good jobs. And they're all of a sudden, wow, this is something I want to yes, do. Yes, yes. And then they join me, they buy rifles. Now they want to buy more rifles, they become dedicated. Now they hear me, I was hunting with an American client. I shot a buffalo, I shot a rhino. They're like, yeah, no, I think this. And then how much do you sell this? How do you do your profit? No, I add my markup mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. This is how I do my calculation. No, I think I want to do this. Wow. Like we have a general. Are you seeing more and more 
black South Africans becoming more and more interested in hunting? Yeah, no, there's a lot. Huh. Our WhatsApp group that I started about three years back with my very first clients. How many people in that WhatsApp group we now? We have about 100 and I think it's 104. You're posting all the Blood Origins videos into that <laughs> WhatsApp group, right? Uh, not yet. I will. Good answer. <laughs> not yet. Not Good yet. answer. Yeah. I need to get your. I'll get your WhatsApp number, and then yeah. I'll just send you. Um, yes. I'll send you the. I'll send you the videos that we create all the time. Okay. All right. That's good. Let me just give you the exact number. Hundred and one. Nice. Yes, and then we just sent the first guy on a PH training. He completed it. Two weeks back, next year we have two guys that now want to become professional hunters. Wow. So we will be having, well, two is guaranteed for next what year. What was that acronym that I just saw? AA? Uh, it's ACHGOF, which is Association of African Conservationist Hunters, uh, Gun Owners and Fishermen. Oh, awesome. Yes. Awesome. Because... The reason we're doing it this way, we have, actually what I have realized is that we have a gap that we need to address in the market, especially with lack of knowledge from uh, from our communities, especially about private land. Mm. What I have seen escalating this year is the conflict between landowners and dog hunters, whereby now it becomes, it gets to a point where somebody gets killed in the process. Oh, wow. Like it happened in Mpumalanga. A guy got shot uh, while they were hunting on someone's property. Without so, permission. Without permission, yes. And uh, now what I did, instead of brushing off dog hunters and saying, you're doing it wrong. Right. I realized that like me, they don't know. I didn't know mm. until I got introduced into the industry. So now I'm pulling in these dog hunters. There's a lady in KwaZulu Natal who hunts with dogs. And uh, she's very good. She's been interviewed, I don't know how many times, podcasts, SAB radio. Everybody's impressed. But Black woman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's very young. She's 23 years old. Really? She's still a university student. Jeez. I need so, to get to know her. Yeah, no, you will. I've got her here. Okay. So what I did is I got her into the group and I realized that if I can get this girl a hunting rifle, then uh, we can now, all her followers might be converted. Mm. So instead of now, you know, cutting these people, they will mushroom somewhere else. Sure, sure. So rather than convert them instead of just chasing them away. So she's, I mean, she's a, she's a good friend. I haven't met her face, face to, to face, face. Yeah, but yeah. we speak almost daily on Facebook, on WhatsApp. Mm. We even phone each other. Of course, I promised her that I'm going to help her get her competency certificate. And I hope to get a sponsor for her to get a first hunting rifle. Mm. When we're done with the podcast, I will show you her Facebook mm -hmm. page. She goes out, she's the only girl, she's very young, 23. She goes out with like 15 guys into the bush with dogs. And uh, she's there, she's enjoying it, she's loving it. Mm. So all I want is just now to get her into... Introduce her to a different hunting style. Yes. Not that you're not saying that dog hunting is wrong. Yes. There's just another world that you've just 
from your experience yes. that you don't actually know about? Yes, that's that's what I want to do. And also what I would like to do is to do road shows. You see, if I had enough financial muscle, I would go out and do road shows, you know, meet with these dog hunters, talk to them about hunting on private coins. It, it hurts us and the industry and them in a sense that it ended up becoming a racial issue, whereas mm. it's actually a issue, the issue that's based on uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. So then I would like to, to fight this thing. So we need to do roadshows. Go out there. I spoke to DFFE. They welcomed the idea, but that's when, uh, just about three months back, when their budgets were cut mm-hmm. and all that. And they told me, look, it's a good idea. We like it. But now our budgets were cut. Mm. So, but I would love to do it, especially KZN, Free State, Mpumalanga. I think those are the areas that have, I know Northwest as well. But these three. Well, it sounds like based on the interest that you say you're generating, mm. that there could be an opportunity where, you know, you as you said, you host, you host this roadshow, which is like a, an education seminar, education symposium in yes. which let me introduce you to hunting and then, hey, we've actually got some rifles here yes. that you can shoot yes. and you can see and learn and experience it and then afterwards you can decide, huh, Yeah, that's is this something I want to continue doing? No, actually, that's something that I'm also doing for a living. I do beginners uh, workshop, introduction to hunting mm. workshops. Starting on a Friday, we do animal identification, we do tracking, tracks and signs of animal presence. Then we do the firearm control act. We try to do it in detail just mm-hmm. so that to enable them during the application mm-hmm. process. Then we're doing hunting ethics. It's a very debatable issue, sure. so I only touch on it slightly. And then we do the... Nature Conservation Act, but only on uh, prohibited methods and uh, res- uh, prohibited methods, hunting on private land and hunting on communal land. So I only touch these three topics. And then, uh, and the good thing is, Constant Wuchkamer came and attended one, mm. and uh, he gave me a good advice on how to shape it going nice. forward. Because from him being the person that's issuing hunting permits, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, hundred percent. So he, even yesterday, I was talking to him. He says, "No, I missed," because he he's now monitoring the progress, mm. how I'm changing the mm. syllabus as he recommended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so which is good. I'm getting support from government as that's well. Good. I don't want to lie. Is this been your first season as a PH? Second, how long have you been a professional hunter taking clients? Um. All right. I think I started in 2020 because I did my PH training in uh, 2019, just before COVID. So when COVID hit, I think I got booked once or yeah. twice. And then uh, 2021, the government of Northwest put me under Jacques Yenakao to mentor me now. Nice. Not only as a professional hunter, but also as an outfitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mentorship went up to a point where I even did my dangerous game. I got my dangerous game. So you're on an unrestricted license? Yeah. Okay. So that I got it early this year in Jan. Okay. 
And um, yeah, now I'm a hunting outfitter in a dangerous game. So what's your? Do you have a hunt? Do you have an outfitting business now? Yes, I do. And it's what's it called? It's Melody Safaris. Melody. Yeah, Melody. M E L O D I. Oh, nice, Melody Safaris. Yeah, it's 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 same as Melody. Yeah, with an I. Yeah, but this with an I because what does Melody stand for? Same. It means the same thing. It's just it's a Tswana. Tswana f- <laughs> word for, for what? For Melody. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> You same. should make up something that it's like this real special name. It's like the spiritual like connection to nah. hunting versus no, it's just melody. No melody. In no, 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 no. But look, you out when you're out there in the bush, you hear the sounds of birds. Ah, okay, water. okay. Yes, yeah, so that's where it comes from. Okay. And actually, the first name I had to do a company name change. Sure, sure. Because I called it Matalera, which is African wild dog. Oh. And uh, I I discovered that. There was somebody else with the name? No. People cannot pronounce it. Oh, that is a <laughs> lot. It was quite a mouthful that you yes. just said. Because, but it's African wild dog. And um, due to their um, success rate in hunting, number one. Number two, mm. the family bond, mm. the connection that like they it. have. So I looked at it from that angle. But for the fact that people couldn't pronounce it, mm. and I realized I went to... Yeah, you needed a pivot straight away. Yes. Change right away. Yes, and also to attract the international market. I mean, somebody will be discouraged by reading the name, and they won't even read your website. For sure, <laughs> for sure. No, I like Melody. Yeah. Melody's good. Yes. Um. So this year, you had a good year, 2023? Yes, no, it was an excellent year. Nah. That's when, like, I got my... Um, Dangerous game yeah, you license, got unrestricted license, and then I got my. Um, I'm now an official measurer for SCI. Okay. So, and yeah, I hunted big game. I hunt for the first time without supervision. I went and hunted a buffalo. Nobody died. No, 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 nobody died. <laughs> the buffalo did that. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's. I think that's that's when I felt like now I've. I've, I've, I've made it. I've arrived. I've arrived, Not yes. Not made it, you've it. arrived, yeah. Yes, I've, I've arrived, yes. Because I was also being monitored, I mean, by the department, by Jacques. And, uh, you, would you say, are you the first black professional hunter in the Northwest? No, 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 no. There has been many. Okay. Because, remember, government used to send people on these... Okay, okay, uh, okay. ...on these courses, and... But there was no... Are you the first black professional hunter on the Exco of custodians? Yes. I think so. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and uh, I think I'm also, it could be just that, you know, they, 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 they don't, the U.S. system, I don't think they do it like we do it where they would check their ethnic groups. No. But, yeah, I could be the first African hunter to be on the SCI. Maybe Zimbabwe would have. Maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in South Africa, definitely, I could should be the first one. Yeah. So, do you have a website? Yes, I do have a website. So, tell everyone what your website is. Okay, www.melodisafaris, with melody with an I. Yep. Safaris. Dot com. Dot co. Dot za. Oh, dot co. Dot za. Okay. Yes. Do you have Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff set yes. up yet? Facebook is also Melody Safaris. Okay. Just look for it, and then. Um, Instagram, it's melody underscore 
safaris. Okay, perfect. Yes. And if someone was going to come hunt with you, what's the thing that you love hunting the most that they should come hunt with you? Like, okay, <laughs> I would say a kudu. And, uh, Where are they going to hunt a kudu with you? Uh, it's at Twenyani. Uh, That's Twenyani is between Zerest and Khrut Mariko. So I have hunting rights. And what does the landscape look like there? It's mountainous. It's a bush field. And kudus, they like to hide. Mm-hmm. But we have them in abundance. You got good kudu there? Excellent. I just shot a one-horned 55-inch. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> about a month ago. Jeez. Yeah, we were we were just looking for any animal. You know, when, mm. when you're with meat hunters, they just don't care what they shoot. They want meat. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we see this monster kudu crossing the road from right to the left. So I say to them, guys, that kudu, the way it's running, it's, it's not going to run far. It's going to stop, come a flash, and look back at us. So be careful. And I say to the driver, say, when you get there, you just slow down. So we get there, we stop, we're looking on the left, and the driver says, check on the right. There was the 55-inch one horn. Oh, it's a different one. It's a different one. They were actually going to cross together, mm. but we were too close. So I think that 55-inch one froze to just let us pass. Because, you know, they freeze. Yeah, sure, sure. Come a flash. And yeah, so it just froze there, but we saw it. And I said to the clients, the two clients, each of them with a gun, but I, they said to me, I must take up a backup gun because they didn't make their quota. So the meat they wanted, because, you know, meat hunters in most cases, I don't know if it happens, as, but mostly in the black communities, when you hunt, you got to give your uncle, you're going to give your aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so they needed enough. So they were there and I could see that, look, these guys are not going to shoot. So, but then uh, they asked me to help them where they're struggling, they're beginners. So then I took the shot. It went down. They were happy. Right on the spot. Oh, so you shot it. I shot it, yeah. Okay. For the client. Yeah, yeah. But they were happy. Cause yeah, because that's, what cause they that's all they want. They just yes. want the meat. They want the meat. They're yes. not there really for the hunt. Yes. They just want the meat. Yeah. Okay. So I shot it and then it just dropped there. I was using a 357 H&H. 375, seven sorry, not 357. Yeah, three yeah. three. You see, I just bought a 357 revolver as oh, well okay. <laughs> recently, so now <laughs> I'm doing this. I was doing a 375 H&H. So come hunt a kudu with McKenna yes. at, uh, at, uh, at uh, Melody Safaris. Yes. Melody. Melody Safaris. Melody Safaris. Yes. That's what you need to do. That's that's what must happen. Yes. Must happen. It must okay. happen. I need Perfect. that kudu hunt. <laughs> Well, man, I appreciate you, Thanks. McKenna. I appreciate our friendship Thank and uh, look forward to the next time. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.